This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus. I'm Reverend Kelly Isla. I'm here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and co-creation, Reverend Ogan Holder. And here um, on With Love and Justice for All, we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering fostering liberation, and the special challenges that arise as spiritual seekers, um, including sometimes spiritual communities, so individuals and communities. How are you doing, Ogan? You know, I am doing actually pretty good. Um, I am last week, I spent the entire week in Chicago for the Parliament of World Religions. It was awesome. It was thought-provoking. It was spiritually moving. It was all the things. Good time reconnecting with some, some long-time friends I hadn't seen for a very, very long time. Made some new connections. But it was a lot. I mean, this thing ran from yeah. Monday through Friday. Yeah. And by halfway through Wednesday, I had hit the information <laughs> overload. Yeah. You know, I've been so. to I've been to several and um, uh, ones that are twice as big as what you were at. And it's yeah, it's fabulous. And it's like, holy crap. It, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot. But but the theme the yeah. theme was about uh the theme is actually related to what we some of what we will be talking about today, but the, the theme was about protecting freedom and human rights. Um, there was a great emphasis on on women women led sessions and discussions, and of course, it was always um, conversations around um, environmental justice as well, but mm-hmm. but other things as well. It was a very yeah very deep what it got slate of discussions, um, and as always. There was too many uh, concurrent sessions <laughs> happening. Yes. So sometimes yeah, like forty at a time. It. He's not. She's not exaggerating. And one, I know. I think at one point <laughs> there were like twelve sessions happening concurrently, and I wanted to go to like four of them. So yeah. it's it's always that. And then sometimes you have these massive plenary sessions where you know like twenty people talk for like five minutes each, and it's the only thing happening. And yeah, you kind of like. We call it plays over after about 20 minutes in. Um, but there were some beautiful uh, ritual things happening as well. And yeah, um, I highly recommend if any of you listening get the chance to go, uh, please do it. It's it's a very ecumenical interfaith experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, there's never any one faith that is highlighted or promoted or pushed right. um, over another. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
how do you recommend, even if you don't consider yourself a religious person or a person of faith, um, come out of I, curiosity and learn something. I, I've tried to explain that to people. Like I say the same thing. If you ever get a chance to go, go. And well, I'm not religious or I don't believe in God. And I'm yeah. like, it, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It's it's so intercultural. Yes. Um, that it's just amazing. It's it's in some ways it's, uh, you know, it has a little bit of that. I, I may not be able to fly to another continent or country, you know, or live in a different place that has a very different culture. And it's a place that you can get little experiences, you know, immerse yourself for an hour yes. or so. There were fabulous performances um, yeah. um, to your to your point, represented various country, cultures uh, around the world. And I think the only thing that I would have requested an improvement on, which is not the point of the conference, but the food, like more foods represented different cultures. Now, the, mm. the uh, there was a Sikh organization that sponsored a daily langur lunch, which yeah. is, you know, yep. vegan. Um, best way to describe it is basically vegan Indian food is the closest thing it would come to. Um, but so good, basically all you can eat free. And um, I um, ended up having a conversation with one of the women who was volunteering there. And she talks about how um, while the food is prepared offsite, is prepared in Yes, some commercial kitchens, but people's homes as well. And it's all yeah. handmade by uh, members of the Sikh community in Chicago. Yeah. That's where I was. And yeah, then they then they bring it down. And yeah. it was it was I gotta tell you, as a as a devoted meatitarian, I was pleasantly surprised at how delicious this vegan meal was. And yeah. you know, I might have had thirds every time. But <laughs> it it was because uh, I was also intermittent fasting. I don't know why I decided to start intermittent fasting that week. I think in my brain, it was like, oh, if I intermittent fast this week and I'm doing the Langer lunch, I can really cut down on my meal expenses while I'm traveling. <laughs> <laughs> but also like hitting an eight and nine o'clock a.m. session when, you know, you having those morning hunger pangs was not yeah. necessarily, I think, in hindsight, the best strategy. And then I came back and it was a how to drive a couple places and do some things. Yesterday was really the first day that I had completely nothing going on and could do a little bit of recovery and stuff. But, um, but yes, that was the long answer to how am I doing? <laughs> how are you hey. doing? And feel free to be more succinct if you like <laughs> or not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, may not be the um, the most exciting or sexiest topic, but I think it's I don't know that we've ever talked about it. And you know, voting but, rights, writing our voting rights, um, writing our voting rights. But I think yeah. I think it is a conversation that yes, is where we do that we need to have, especially because of because of as I like to call it on the media right now, we have we're we're in the middle of gate watch, and when I say gate watch cameras are pointed at the gates to the Fulton County Courthouse in Georgia, yeah. where, where uh, between today, I think starting yesterday evening, but uh, today, definitely tomorrow, we're having um, the folks that the, um, the district attorney is, yep. uh, has basically indicted all 19 of them, and they've been trickling in. Um, yeah. As of now, it is, we're recording this, oh, it is about 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, and 
you know. On the 23rd. On the 23rd. Thank you for saying that. On the 23rd of August. And uh, yeah, um, so far, John Eastman has turned himself in. Um, yeah. Cheeseboro, Cheeseboro, sorry, that name. Cheeseboro, uh, Giuliani has landed in uh, in Atlanta. And so they're waiting his arrival at the gate. So it's, yeah. it's what we call gate watch. Cameras were on the gate since Monday. And it's like, and on, some of them, and some of these eight, I'm not counting Trump, but the 18, you know, co-defendants, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are going to, um, while there's a gate watch and a camera, they're still going to try to slide in under the radar because, you know, there's a chunk of them that are going to start flipping. Um, oh, all of absolutely. a sudden it gets real that there's a minimum, minimum five years in prison and people are going to have to decide, do I want to go to prison for Donald Trump? Well, not just prison, but unpardonable prison because it's right. the state. Because it Correct. is specifically the state of Georgia. President can't Correct. pardon. The governor can't pardon. There's got to be a whole board that decides if someone's going to get pardoned or not. So yeah. it would it would have been easier to go like, you know, what? we'll hedge our bets. We'll 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 confess to the crime and spare spare former president trump and then if he gets back in the office he will pardon us but even if the governor could do it let the governor pardon us but those are off the table so someone's someone's flipping there's gonna be some flipping happening because i think out of these 19 people uh these 18 co-conspirators they're not all willing to do some jail time for sure so nope yeah but again this is this is connected to yes what we're talking about today our voting rights. Uh, before we jump into the conversation, just a quick reminder to people: you can join us on the socials. You can watch us live as we record uh, on Facebook Live again, generally Tuesdays and Fridays at three p.m. Eastern. Generally, <laughs> generally, um, <laughs> generally, we were actually like slated to start on time today and some technical snafus, but here we are. Um, and also, um, it's about Instagram handle is at get our holy on. We have a voice mail, voice message, voice box. We have an answer mm-hmm. machine, old school answer <laughs> machine, the even little tape spool. No, I'm just kidding. You can call us at 413 get holy or 413-438-4659. If you don't have letters on your phone and just reminder that, um, Please join us for our affinity groups. This is where we get together uh, white bodies, um, bodies of culture, bodies of color. And we have some real, like sometimes uncomfortable, but also some real heartwarming conversations around um, how, what are we doing to maintain and or dismantle systems of oppression. Uh, we talk right. about, you know, things come up in people's lives we talk about. We talk about current events. We come in with um, an already an idea of what we want to talk about. So, you know, it varies. We usually do those on the first and third Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we didn't do last week because I was at the conference. We are going to do it tonight. Again, this August 23rd. If you happen to be listening to this before 7.30 p.m. Eastern, which means if I happen to get it up and published before 7.30 p.m. <laughs> Eastern and you're hearing it, uh, join us for an affinity group. And then our next one will be that first Wednesday in September. Um, I believe is when it's happening. Um, so please join us for those. And also you can, we would love for you to help support this podcast by making a donation at projectsanctus.com. And so today, so 
So just a little background as to how we got to this conversation today. Uh, July was um, Disability Awareness Month. No, it was Disability, disability Pride, Pride, Pride Month. Month. Sorry. Um, that's different from Disability Awareness Month, but it's Disability Pride Month. And uh, this had come up and it, we decided to do a whole separate episode on this because um, as I was doing some research around um, content for Disability Pride Month, I came across um, this article around um, the activist Fannie Lou Hamer and how her disability informed her fight for voting rights. And I remember going like, I, I know, I know the, what do we call it? The bullet points, the highlights of Fannie Lou Hamer's life and what, and the work that she did. Um, and, um, and I've done some, some, a little bit deeper readings, but I did not know that she had a disability. So I had to look into mm. that a little bit more and learn about the connection to her how that informed her activism, uh, especially when it came to voting rights. Fannie Lou Hamer, if you don't know who she is, please go research her. Um, she lived from 1917 to 77, um, born in, in Mississippi, Montgomery County to be uh, specific. And she is a survivor of polio. Um, and however, the having the polio left her with um, the permanent lip um, as well. And as a side note, here's the other thing I also discovered was that while getting um, treatment for uh, a, a uterine tumor, the doctor mm -hmm. did what was fairly common at the time. And when I say at the time, I'm talking about the 60s, um, give her a hysterectomy without her consent yeah. and this is this was a general practice to basically sterilize women to reduce the black population it was so widespread they actually had a nickname for it the mississippi appendectomy mm. how horrible is that yep oh my god um, yeah so it's yeah he did end up adopting uh two daughters but um it was yeah. Uh, well, she also, wanna... um, she also she uh, also um, in the so in 1964, the Democratic National Convention in Atlantic City is where she, you know, came full on around, you know, voting rights mm -hmm. uh, and really, you know, put, she'd been an activist for a long time, um, but really made uh, quite a um, public um you know, really out publicly, you know, speaking and continuing her activism at the 64 Democratic National Convention. But in that, she also talked about a, a really horrible arrest and beating that she'd gotten in Mississippi that made her limp worse, that left her with permanent kidney damage and a blood clot behind her eye. All of yeah. that because she tried to register to vote. Yeah. So she died before the Americans with Disabilities Act um, yeah. was was passed, unfortunately. Um, that was in 1980, because we, we talked about that during Disability Pride Month uh, podcast. Um, if you haven't heard that episode yet, uh, do go back and listen to it. Um, we had a guest, uh, Kaz Killjoy. Um, so, you know, she's... Uh, 
Fannie Lou Hamer really did speak about how, again, um, voting was really, again, not designed in the States during that time um, to support uh, Black folk. Black folk were being disenfranchised from their vote. Even so, uh, Black disabled women were really not taken into consideration, especially when it came to access to the to the voting booth and what um, additional accommodations might be needed. Um, you know, well. we and and when we and we've often, you know, talk about intersectionality where, you know, those elements of our identity intersect because we we all have multiple facets of our identity. And it's it's just you know, when you learn about Fannie Lou Hamer and you do a little research and you, um, you know, really sit with it and think about it, you know, being uh, Black and a woman and uh, resource poor and a disability, like, you know, it, it doesn't, there's not a whole lot more to add to your identity that's that much marginalized. Um, and, and you, I, for me, when I think about it and, you know, imagine, um, you know, fighting for voting rights, um, like how many of obstacles, you know, she at least had in front of her and yet she just managed, you know, she kept going uh, and, and kept moving forward. And I, so then I think about how, when I'm complaining about the challenges I have in my <laughs> world, um, right. I, you know, I'm like, okay, Kelly, put on your big girl panties and, you know, um, I complained about having no shoes. till I met a man with no feet. Right. Yeah. A person with no feet. We got to degenerize, degenderize these things. Um, one of, uh, 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 you mentioned, you mentioned her being, um, physically abused when trying to vote. Um, this was in 19... 19- 63, um, she and several other Black women were arrested um, and beaten in jail uh, because they were trying to vote. Um, uh, After that, she co-founded, and really as a result of that, in 64, she co-founded the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, which challenged the local Democratic Party's efforts to block Black participation in elections. Now, remember, this was back in the day when, um, um, I guess, for the most part, the Demo- had the Democratic Party come around yet to be in pro-Black at that point? Mm, I don't know. It was, listen, it was a racist hell, so it doesn't matter which party you were in, let's be honest. Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> yes. But uh, it was a, a year after that that Lyndon Johnson, you know, the Voting Rights Act was right. passed under e- Johnson. Ex- ex- exactly. Um, so, so she was a great organizer, and um, um, and she traveled just around the 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 South, giving speeches, and um, she also helped to find found the National Women's Political Caucus, um, and yeah, she did a lot of great she did a lot of great work, um, and you mentioned the Voting Rights Act being passed, and If we um, remember, it wasn't that long ago, 2013, that many aspects of the Voting Rights Act was gutted by the Supreme Court. And um, again, what was what is fascinating around um, around that 
was, you know, there was this big speech by uh, what's his name, Justice Alito. Is it Alito or Roberts? It might have been Roberts because yeah, he was Chief Justice, still is about how we've come to a point in time where the federal government does not need to um, oversee certain states with a micro microscope around um, their voting policies. The states can figure this out for themselves. Um, and within 24 hours of that ruling, the Shelby County versus Holder ruling, some states, I remember the first one I think was Texas. Um, yeah, rolled out some what we we have to call voter suppression um, requ requirements, and they've only um, increased ever since. So, you know, it's like three steps forward, two steps back. Um, some of these voting restrictions include uh, really strict photo ID requirements, early voting cutbacks, uh, registration restrictions. Uh, we saw what happened during COVID as states sought to expand the ease of voting by having yeah. drop boxes and stuff like that. A lot of states, and a lot of those states were red-leaning states, pushed back and, and, and sued, saying this was not within the state's general um, voting parameters, even though there was a whole pandemic going on. And since then, um, a lot of those Voting drop boxes have been have been removed, and mm -hmm. um, access access has been restricted. Yeah, there's even uh, and on college campuses, um, they're you know moving them off because uh, the younger generations are voting, largely not voting Republican. Um, yeah, so the Republicans are you know the the. Um, the, the Voting Rights Act has, you know, since since its inception has, you know, been gutted all along the way. And, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, in 2013, um, you know, a specific, the Shelby, or was it Shelby versus Holder, um, that, uh, um, you know, that totally, that really gutted it in terms of, um, if a state has a, or a jurisdiction has a history of racial discrimination, as you said, they no longer need the microscope or what's called a preclearance. And so that was just like giving states that have histories of racial discrimination free range to keep, oh, well, what else can we do? And, um, and you listed off several of them uh, in terms of, um, you know, voter ID and language barriers and and, and, and. Um, so I just interrupt, I realized I just interrupted you and <laughs> not sure where, where you were going. Um, you were, you were enhancing my <laughs> content that way. Yeah. Um, so, no, so no, I, where, where, where I was going was kind of, was kind of just drawing a picture of, um, you know, in, in spite of all the work that um, activists like Fannie Lou Hamer did, especially when it came to um, around voting, and voting rights, and voting access. Um, there's still there are still so many machinations to restrict those rights um, yes. as well. Still going, still still happening. 
some of them yeah. in open some of them in open defiance of supreme recent supreme court rulings which yes. i find absolutely fascinating yeah um one of the things though i i wanted to make sure that we touched on though is that um you know while there's been um you know like voter id this persistent focus on voter id which is unreasonable and um and is very much a voter suppression you know um act um and mississippi and alabama have really you know gone full on in enforcing that um um they they also i wanted to just um I also wanted to make sure that we pointed to things that the good things that are happening with with you know all of these there's a whole lot of uh, voting suppression laws that have been passed and uh, and put into practice in multiple states and of course largely in the south um, you know like the ones where um, you'll get arrested if you give food or water to somebody who's standing in line to vote um, and not never quite sure, you know, I mean, can you get any more? It's bad enough you're suppressing someone's right to vote, but to not allow them to have water you know, or, or you know, something, a little snack, I, I, that escapes, like, it's even more inhumane. Um, well, we, we, know, we know who those were targeted for. So. Yeah. 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 Well, it's okay. I mean, um, it's not but, okay. <laughs> no, no. So I wanted to, um, if it's okay to kind of shift, I, I wanted to talk about some of the good things. You know, there are, it's, it's so slow, right? It's, it's like, you know, that the term from Martin Luther King Jr. about this long arc, um, it really is. And um, I, you know, people that I, I, you know, work with or coach or organizations, that want really something really fast to change and to go on. I, what I tell people is, you know, sometimes, and I don't mean it lightly and I don't mean it to dismiss how someone's feeling and they're upset. And my own, my own experience is that peace takes longer. It um, does. And can I, can I mention one other horrible thing? And then, then we get to the yeah, good news. Yeah. 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 So I mentioned open defiance of the Supreme court. This is happening in everybody's other famous racist state, Alabama. Um, mm. um, in the uh, very recent, we're talking like, wasn't this like, was this earlier this year? Yes, this ruling. Um, uh, end of July, um, they the, so the Supreme Court had ruled that um, the the districts and map that was drawn up, and you can uh, con certain a congressional map, even though it was a majority black live inhabited area, they could only have there weren't it wasn't drawn up so that they would be representation that reflected um the number of black folks that lived in the area so the supreme court says you have to redraw this congressional map and it needs to include two majority black districts and mm -hmm. they decided the republican controlled legislature decided you know we're only going to do one um yeah. and the governor Ivey, bless her heart says the legislature knows our state, our people, and our districts better than the federal courts or activist groups. And I'm pleased that they answer the call and remain focused and produce new districts ahead of the court deadline. And um, to refresh memories, it's not the first time Alabama legislators have defied the U.S. Supreme Court. 
1954, they waged a decade-long standoff over desegregation following the Supreme Court's decision in Brown versus Board of Education. That was the ruling that, you know, desegregated public schools. Yeah. Uh, so 10 years they did that. So I don't know what the, uh, if there's going to be any consequences for defying a Supreme Court ruling. I'd like to think that they would be. Um, but here we are. Well, yes, my understanding is that the, the, consequence is that uh, the Supreme Court, you know, a higher court will just got it. Alabama, you know, redrew their own map and instead of two black districts only did one. So the court will will what will likely happen is the the higher court will redraw the map and say, here's your map, Alabama, which then allows the Republican legislature in Alabama, you know, play the victim and say, see, Here's Big Brother is overarching, you know, overreaching and telling mm. us what to do. And, you know, that's why, uh, you know, saying that, well, we know our own people and we know our our state, you know. So that's there will be an, another map drawn, not by Alabama, but but there will be a, another map drawn that has the two districts that it should have. Um, yeah. And its enforcement is up, up for grabs what that's going to look like. Um, so, so to recap, voter voter suppression still happening in 2023 at yes. a statewide level. At a statewide level. Yes. Okay. All right. Yep. Yep. Here with us some good news now. Yeah. Uh, and I. So one of them is I know it's it's. Um, I guess the reason I wanted to talk about it is what I've discovered for myself in the last few years is this deeper dive into into voting. You know, there wasn't it wasn't all that long ago where I mean, I've always voted, but but having an emotional attachment to it or really having a understanding the tentacles of it, like how far reaching by just, you know, one what seems like one small thing in a voting rights, but but or, you know, voting suppression, but the, the really how far reaching and the impact. Uh, and I so I've really um it's, it's just really stirred me the last uh, couple of years, especially this last year, as it, the possibility of 45 being elected again. And then, of course, all the information that's come out with the fake electors and what does that mean? And, you know, how did that come about? And so answering that question for myself, how did that all that a fake elector scheme come about? There's a lot of details to it. And what I discovered is that it goes back a long ways, like the voting rights has been chipped away at for decades, yeah, um, just decades and decades. So I, but what's happening now is uh, like the Alabama thing. Um, yes, they are, you know, ignore the Supreme Court and they'll eventually get a new map, but there are multiple states that are having to redraw their very gerrymandered maps. Um, so there are new black opportunity districts that are being drawn in Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Texas, South Carolina. Um, and then here's a new lawsuit uh, has come about in Tennessee. There's a, a group of civil rights organizations that Basically, what they're saying is that the Republican legislature violated the Constitution when it divvied up Davidson County, which is basically Nashville. And so it had been one 
district, but the Republican state legislature divided it into three congressional districts. Um, and so the effect of that is it reduces the opportunity of black voters and citizens to be able to let elect a candidate of their own choice. Um, so, and this is a, a new lawsuit that's been brought, um, been brought forward. And uh, the other thing that's um, that's happening with these these uh, lawsuits that are coming forward and challenging, you know, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Texas, South Carolina, is using two different. Um, uh, Alabama, Louisiana, and and I forget who else is actually using the Section Two of the Voting Rights Act as the reason to um, you know bring forward why these voter suppression law you know specific items uh, specific laws ugh, I'm having a hard time with words um, but using Section Two of the Voting Rights Act to make a case for why what the state legislature is doing is uh, unconstitutional, illegal. Um, and the reason that that's kind of a big deal is that historically what's happened is um, the 14th Amendment of the Constitution is what has been used to try and, and uh, break down these, these voter suppression laws. So the difference is, so somebody's probably listening going, okay, you know, my, my ears are glazing over, um, you know, what is section two of the Voting Rights Act uh, and what's the 14th Amendment? Um, so lawsuits that are coming forward in all of these states are actually having success by using section two of the Voting Rights Act. And what that means um, is it's the claim is that section two of the Voting Rights Act requires it requires the creation of a majority minority district in order to allow minorities an equal opportunity to elect their candidate of choice. Um, so Tennessee that has now taken one and you know divided it up, um, they call it in, in legal circles, they call it cracking them or packing them. So they're either cracking apart these you know, communities or they're packing them all into one you know, one district. And so that's the, so using that, that section two of the Voting Rights Act, I think is, um, and, and they're, so they're, they're making progress in different states, in Louisiana, in Texas, uh, in there's lawsuits coming up in Georgia. Um, and so the other piece, the, the other, the 14th Amendment of uh, the constitution says that you can't discriminate against voters based on race, um, by either, you know, separating them apart or packing them all into one district. And that's what uh, the claim in Tennessee is, um, is that they're violating, the Republican state legislature in Tennessee is violating the Constitution, specifically the 14th Amendment, because they took one district and broke it into three and wind up divvying up Black voters into various districts um, and diminishing their ability to elect candidates of their choice, which violates the U.S. Constitution. So Republicans are getting highly creative, finding any... You know, if they could just harness that energy and creativity into, you know, maybe creating policies that more people would get behind, I think yep. they would. it would be much 
better spent. But I think they're realizing that their policies are not policies that are liked by a majority of Americans. And, you know, a great, great example of this was what was what was the state, the state that just happened, that just did thing with the vote against thing. I got words. Uh, Ohio. There we go. Oh, yes. Yes. And in, in Ohio, for example, um, they just had what they thought would have been an under the radar ballot measure that would have gutted a century old right for majority rule. And when we say majority rule, we meant that in the Ohio legislature, you, legislature, you just need a simple 50% majority to pass a measure, right? So, mm. you know, if you got a thousand people voting, you just need what, 501, simple, right. simple majority. But what the Republicans wanted to do was switch that to a super majority, you needed 60%. And, you know, one of the rationales for doing that would then be if they voted to um, shift the abortion laws in the state and then can enact very much more strict abortion bans, even if not outright banning it from the state at all, it would be harder for it to be overturned later. So fortunately, folks in Ohio stepped up and said, nope, we're going to keep it as is. We also saw, for example, in a red state like Kansas, not that long ago, um, yeah. And other states have been doing this. Um, people are voting to make sure that um, abortion, the right to an abortion, stays uh, legal in their state. Um, now, they may still be um, bringing it down to six weeks and all the different, you know, restricting of it, or, but, but at least it's still legal. And the, so in order for that to be happening, you know, they're both conservatives, progressives, there's independence, people voting in favor of this. So that simply means that, again, Republicans creating policies that the majority of voters in their state, regardless of political affiliation, uh, are not behind. They're not supporting okay. these draconian policies, these policies that restrict women's rights to make choices around their bodies or will curtail the rights of queer folk. Um, they, people are not getting behind these and in, because kind of that's all they have on their platform. The other thing, the only other option is to try and restrict people get into the polls. Right. Which is what, uh, what this Tennessee lawsuit is about because there's, because there's no, um, there's no neutral argument at all why you would take Nashville and divide it into three congressional districts. Um, it's, there's just no, there's no redistricting criteria that's being used. And so it's very clearly, you know, dividing it up. Um, so it divides a community of interest. So it, it fractures the black community in that county that is, I mean, that's the only thing that's sort of underpinning this division, um, which is a violation of the 14th Amendment. Yeah. So this is why it's important, again, folks, where your vote is perhaps your loudest voice. This is how you make your voice known. And we're not just talking about the big elections like the presidential election or even the midterms. Yes, those two. But please always check to see what's happening in your state, in your county. 
um, and and what's up for what's up for elections, school board elections, all the things. Yeah. Um, because this is this is how you you um, you know people are always asking us, what do we do? What do we do to uh, you know fix racism now? Um, there's there's no fixing it now, <laughs> but there is a systematic reversal of this push to make things more draconian. Um, and and you can, part of how we do that is with our vote, right? They wouldn't, the book bans wouldn't be happening if folks showed up and voted for who's on the school board and their state yeah. legislatures. So um, please don't, please don't feel because uh, you're in a red state and a blue or a blue state, uh, there's, you know, President Barack Obama famously pointed out, there are no red states and blue states, they're purple states. Every state is yeah. a purple state. In every state, you will find people along the political spectrum and um, people who really understand that it's important for um, women's rights, for access to uh, women's healthcare, specifically in, the, in safe, accessible abortions, that uh, queer folk are are entitled to every single right straight folk have simply because they exist and that's all there needs to be it. If you support this, regardless of where your political vote lies, um, you need to you need to get up, you need to vote, you need to check to make sure that um, voting is not being suppressed in any way, shape or form um, by, by either party. And of course we know one party, <laughs> one party does it a lot more than, than another. Um, and if you're wondering, wait, how's a Democrat ever tried to suppress a vote? No, but I mean, gerrymandering happens. Both sides use gerrymandering. One side, definitely a lot more and a lot more uh, precision-like than others. In other words, you're probably not going to find um, a gerrymandered map by a Democratic-led legislature making it all the way to Supreme Court for violating a constitutional amendment. Probably not. No. Um, you know, I've, I forgot to mention, too, is that New York actually is, is uh, you know, their maps are under siege as well and, and working mm -hmm. to be, you know, ungerrymandered, if that's a word, um, yes. and uh, more democratic. And when I say more democratic, I'm talking about little d. I'm not talking capital D like the party. I mean, like democracy. <laughs> yes more equitable, more... Yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So for it, it's fascinating that for, for a country that claims to be the poster child of democracy in action, it's fascinating how, you know, one party so much more than the other seeks to curtail those, as you say, small d democracy in terms of, you know, voted rights and... Right. And 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 this is this is why we this is why we have a former president being indicted right now in the state of Georgia because of an effort to overturn an election, and yeah, it's I'm I'm, I'm glad and I'm I'm, I'm re fingers crossed fingers crossed right. I wasn't I I haven't been very uh, was that confident around any of the other federal cases that are going on to really make an impact in terms of accountability for the president. Um, you know, the the classified documents 
thing. Yeah, something will happen there, but nothing major. But I am really hoping that this case in Georgia, because it th this case is just bigger than slapping Donald Trump's wrists. This is this is a case that is really again indicative of what we're talking about here: the right for every American to be able to vote, and that vote counts. By the way, how is it that you uh, serve time in prison, you lose your right to vote, but you could be a straight up criminal and run for president? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's yeah, all the all the things are wrong about it. Well, it, a, a little uh, piece of good news is actually in uh, Florida's fifth congress congressional district. Is it's actually being, um, you know, for a year and a half, it, you know, DeSantis has been dismantling it um, and breaking it apart uh, mm -hmm. because it was a it was heavily a black district, and um, and he just slowly kept chipping away at at you know cracking it apart. However, um, it's actually, uh, there's a couple of lawsuits that have come into, um, that have been filed. And uh, um, it actually looks like they'll, the lawsuits will, um, that are against what DeSantis is doing, um, actually have a good chance of winning. Um, good. And yeah, and I'm like, you know, um, it I mean, would mean, be, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. It, well, it would mean that, you know, some much needed black representation to Northern Florida could actually happen, um, instead of, you know, DeSantis continually, um, you know, more and more gerrymandering. Um, so yeah. I, I'm like, feel a little hopeful. A little bit hopeful. I mean, this is, I mean, um, for Florida, geez. I know, but it's, it's. Let's be clear. It's the main reason why uh, Washington D.C. has not been granted statehood yet, because because they know that in a city that is majority black, um, you grant them yep. statehood. That's that's basically all going the Democrats' way. Yep. Um, and this is yeah, it's it's this sort of disenfranchisement. You know, we still yes, we still live in places in the U.S. where there's taxation without representation. Hey, D.C. Um, so there's yeah. so there's 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 that, um, and some other some other um, notes of hope we have we do have some courts, um, state courts, um, around the country that are rebuffing some of these um, lawsuits from Republicans and conservatives and the right um, that are trying to disenfranchise um, voters as as well. Um, in your free time, please go check this out. In Arizona, we have Fincham versus Fontes. In California, there's Election Integrity Project California versus Weber. Illinois, there's Boast versus the Illinois State Board of Elections. In Michigan, there's Ikes or Ix versus Whitmer. Um, Nevada, the Nevada Republican Party versus Nevada. Let's see, Pennsylvania, Bonner versus Chapman. So these are all, I mean, the, 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 what do I want to call it? The guardrails of small D democracy yeah. are yeah. Seeming, seemingly holding up. But um, the thing you mentioned earlier about the sand is chipping away. Um, the guardrails may hold up against an obvious huge onslaught, but, you know, 
little by little over time, you know, these smaller things that may sometimes slip through because we don't pay attention, um, right. eventually erode more and more rights. So the invitation is to pay attention, pay attention when you again hear that there's elections coming up in your state, in your county, in your city, your town, your district, please pay attention to what's on the ballot and what the repercussions are on the ballot. Don't just go by ads you see on TV, which are often, you know, worded, make you think you think you're voting for one thing when you're really voting for another. Yes. Uh, yeah, really, yeah. really do the research um, on your own. Again, when people keep asking, what do we do? This is one of the things you do. You do the research around what's on the ballot and who's on the ballot and vote accordingly. Make sure your friends are voting. Talk to your, excuse me, whew, talk to your friends who say, yeah, I'm not political or I am apolit apolitical or, you know, I just vote in more of the major elections, um, have some conversations with them and get them to the voting booth on every, on every election. Yes, it's going to take something out of your life, out of your work. And this is, this is what it, this is the invitation. So one, one, uh, uh, way that, uh, conservatives or Republicans are going is, eliminating um, people, and this is going on in Texas right now, but eliminating the chief election officials. And then, so it's going on, um, the House of Representatives in Texas voted to force Harris County, which is basically Houston, to eliminate its chief election office and to give state officials more authority over the elections which we know exactly what that means. Um, and what so it's possibly just- possibly go wrong? I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but it does, I don't know that that's actually gonna, uh, I, I, it may already have been blocked, um, you know, temporary thing, but um, it's, 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 it's ultimately gonna wind up in court because yeah. um, you, you just, you, you just, it's unconstitutional when you when you look at the Constitution of Texas. But it's the reason I bring it up is I just want people to really pay attention to to what's. I mean, again, it may not be the most fascinating topic, but the you know our voting rights, you know, and everybody has you know the. It's one of the the few things like what do I get for being a citizen in the United States? I get the right to vote, and it has really far reaching. Um, a far-reaching impact for good and not good. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, I really want people to, to take a little time and, and go, go check out what's going on in your own state. And, you know, you can also support people in other states, even if you don't live there. Yes. Uh, yes, you can. So that's a, that's a huge deal to me. Um, what can I do? You know, I mean, I'm in Missouri, so, ugh. You know, Josh Hawley is our senator. Woohoo! Um, you know, and he's passing. You know, they're passing laws left and right to, you know, for voter suppression and and you know the the last you know several months back voting around what women can wear, you know, to work at the state legislature level. 
So, yeah. you know, um, but and, but you can be involved in, you know, what's going on in Ohio or Alabama or Georgia or Texas or um, even if you don't live there. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And also, please make sure that you are registered to vote. Don't assume that you are. Yes. Um, yes. A lot of states like to do some uh, fuckery around purging. Uh, Absolutely. Border rolls and stuff like that. So start there. Make sure your friends mm-hmm. are registered. And uh, this is how we begin to make a shift. Um, we will post links to um, many of the things we referenced uh, in our show notes and in the comment section of the Facebook video for this podcast. Um, and that could be your springboard to uh, doing some research and educating yeah. yourself um, as well. Um, are we good to wrap up? I'm feeling yeah. good? All right. Yeah. So um, please visit projectsanctus.com to make a donation to keep the train running. Please also check out our affinity groups again every first and third Wednesday. Our next group uh, will is happening tonight. We're recording August 23rd. It is a fourth Wednesday, but we had to shift it a little bit from last week. So um, if you're listening to this and it's not quite 7.30 p.m. Eastern yet on Wednesday, August the 23rd, you can join us tonight. Otherwise, we'll see you the first Wednesday in September um, at 7.30 p.m. And if you've not registered for to get the link um, yet, please go to projectsanctus.com to register for the Zoom link. Um, I think that's it we got. So until we meet again. Let's get our holy on. 